Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. Last month, the independent TD Dennis Nocton became the latest high-profile politician to announce he wouldn't contest the next general election. So far, Brendan Griffin and Joe McHugh of Fine Gael have also said they won't be running and rumours are swirling that up to eight other party colleagues might step down at the end of this dull term. So the picture gets even more intriguing if you take the recent increase in gender quotas, the forthcoming boundary changes are taken into account. And joining me to discuss this is Fionnán Sheehan, Ireland editor at the Irish Independent, and Dr Theresa Reedy, who's political scientist at UCC and co-editor of How Ireland Voted 2020. And you're both welcome. Now, Theresa, to start with you, why would a politician be announcing that they're stepping down now, so far out from an expected election? Is that to allow the party to get a new candidate in place? Or should we read it as a kind of a a disgruntled message that's being sent to the leadership? I think it probably actually works both ways, Claire. I think for particularly some of the people stepping down in Fine Gael, there's something of a realisation that their career prospects have um, stalled within the party and it's probably a rebuke to the party leader. But it also works to the party's advantage because especially with the gender quotas going to 40%, the earlier the party actually knows what candidates it will have, the more time it has to prepare for the election. And in particular, male incumbent TDs stepping out allows the party to um, kind of evaluate and, and to seek out effective women who can uh, run the uh, in those slots the next time around. So it might be a little bit of both, actually. Mm-hmm. And if you're in Fine Gael, or indeed in Fianna Fáil, Fianna, you might be looking at this now and saying, look, my, my chances of becoming a minister are diminishing, so I'm, I'm, out, I'm out, I'm gone. Yeah, there's certainly a pattern developing in Fine Gael and if we include Dennis Nocton, but in the kind of the Fine Gael gene pool, go back before the last general election, uh, Jim Daly and D- Dara Murphy stepping aside, then Michael Darcy and Owen Murphy after the election. And since then, you've had Joe McHugh, Brendan Griffin, and now Dennis Nocton all saying they won't be running in the next general election. So they're all relatively young, uh, under the age of about 50 or so. Brendan, uh, Owen Murphy and Brendan Griffin a bit younger than that. Uh, seemingly within political career terms, a long way to go. But because they were foreign ministers, probably the fact that like not fancying being on a backbencher for life, mm-hmm. uh, other things can can intervene as well. I mean, Dennis Nocton thrown into politics in his very early 20s following the, the tragic death of, of his father, always had ambitions to do something else uh, with life and now probably sees that he has an opportunity. So, I mean, economic, economically as well, we're, we're in a situation in the country where there are available career options for people to, to enter in at this stage in their life. Mm-hmm. And there's a new view of politics around, isn't there? that it's not a career for your entire working life anymore. You know, yeah, even do the, two things or three things. Even the Taoiseach, Leo Radker, says he doesn't see himself uh, hanging around uh, in his in his 50s and 60s in politics. So you have got that, that generational change uh, where people came in to the all and, you know, if if the public left them there, they, mm-hmm. they were staying there for up to up to 40 years. Uh, now, younger politicians coming in going, right, I'll, I'll do this for a period of time as long as I'm enjoying it, as long as I feel I'm getting something out of it. And now you're seeing uh, there is a pattern here that people are saying, look, my, my family life has suffered 
I'd like to be able to spend spend more time and, and not have the, the constant uh, encroachment into my life that is that is caused uh, by politics. And what happens then, Teresa, from a practical point of view, if someone says, listen, I'm out at the next general election, do we expect them to take the foot off the gas or are they in the job until they're not in the job? Well, they're in the job until they're not in the job. But I suppose it's interesting now the kind of approach the second half of this government's um, term in office we'll start to see an awful lot of uptick in the activities of politicians focused on their constituencies, very much participating in local, social and community events. And if you're stepping back from politics, both personally, there's no incentive for you to do this, but strategically for the party, there's not much reason to push forward an incumbent that's stepping down. It makes a lot more sense to put in situ your new candidate, the person that you want to take this role. So again, it kind of works in in both ways. But uh, I mean, what's unusual, I think, this time around is that the people who are retiring are that bit younger. They're middle career people rather than people kind of perhaps post-retirement age. I mean, it's pretty normal that TD step down at every election. If we think back to the, the last one, um, there were quite a number of very high profile TDs who stepped down, among them former Taoiseach Enda Kenny, uh, Jerry Adams, who had a very significant career in, in politics. But they were kind of at the end of their careers. What's mm-hmm. really unusual this time around is, is the fact that you have these middle career people stepping out. And I think I think it's worth also adding at the end that all of those people that were listed, all but Owen Murphy, were actually located in rural constituencies. And I think that's an additional complication in terms for people in kind of middle career point. You know, there's that extra travelling to and from Dublin, time away from your families. It's much more difficult to reconcile a kind of normal family life balance. Well, that's interesting. So you think that is a factor, do you, in in deciding whether to go on or not? I think Brendan Griffin is in South Kerry and I think Joe McHugh is in Donegal and those are two of the constituencies that are furthest away from uh, from Dublin. And there's always this difficulty in terms of the scheduling of Dáil business uh, and, and how you manage the Dáil week um, and, and a kind of a tension between kind of Dublin-based TDs and kind of the, the kind of wider Dublin area versus rural TDs who face long distances back to their constituencies and then a very large volume of constituency and community work once they get there. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and let's look now at the issue of gender quotas, Fiona, and how that might change things. That's an additional challenge for all parties. Yeah, and uh, I'm looking at Dr. Reedy's book here, How Ireland Voted 2020, Michael Gallagher's chapter. Handy and, guide. And he does actually you know, show that the, the gender quotas have pretty much worked. They have upped the number of candidates and that has upped the, the number of, of TDs, female TDs that we've seen uh, elected, jumping up to, to 35 in 2016, just 36 in 2020. So we're going to see a further shift next time with uh, the gender quota. As of last Monday, uh, it goes up to 40%. So seven years after it was introduced in the 2016 general election, and that's that's last Monday. So the, the political parties have now got this task where some of them fairly much struggle to hit the 30%. Hitting the 40% is going to be extremely difficult. So what, they, what Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael will need to be doing is not adding not just adding extra women, but dropping men. They'll, they'll need less men because they won't be necessarily running more candidates uh, ne- next time out. That's going to create a difficulty. The difficulties that, that are that are shown in, in finding female candidates, only illustrated last week, uh, Leonie Reader, the former MEP, stepping down as, as Sinn Féin's general election candidate in, in Cork Northwest. They had already lost a the candidate there before the last general election, uh, Martha Lyons. Uh, Sinn Féin ended up with no candidate there the last election. Now back with no candidate at the at the moment again. They'll 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 find somebody. So it's not easy 
to to get female candidates to run. You do have the the, the classic the, the five C's of the the, the cash, childcare, the the, the connections uh, and so on you into that and you the can, abuse and you can add abuse kind of that can be added on uh there there now uh as well several female tds including holly Cairns, has spoken uh, about this issue there's even been a couple of tds said to me in, in recent years or recent weeks even the jacinda ardern and nicola sturgeon issue of the two of them stepping down that filters through that politics in general is a hostile place for women to be involved in and that will obviously put off some people from from running. Teresa, is that the message that you hear from those decisions to resign and also what we hear from female politicians about the abuse that they get, particularly online abuse, that the message that goes out is this is not a nice place to be if you're female? Absolutely. It's online abuse and it's in person. I mean, I listened to your interview with Alison Gilliland last week talking about how it's it's continuous and it's a daily part of politicians' lives. So I I think it is, you know, a very significant feature. But the only thing I think it's also worth saying is it's part of political life actually across the developed democratic world at this point. So it it is a challenge that a lot of democracies are, are having to deal with. I I think the local elections are going to be absolutely crucial for the political parties in terms of bridging this gap in the the gender quotas. There isn't an official uh, quota at the local elections, but there is an implicit one because all of the political parties are going to have to get women elected to the local elections because it's a critical step in relation to election to the Dáil. Three quarters of all the TDs in the Dáil have served at local government level uh, at at some uh, time or other. If you look at kind of the candidate profiles at the last election, more than half of the candidates that ran for the smaller political parties were all councillors at the time of the election. So I think all of the political parties are going to be focused on getting women uh, onto the ticket for the local elections and then using that as a platform uh, for their uh, general election Mm -hmm. campaigns. Just going back to the abuse, Fiona, I mean, it's not just a female issue because we have proposed legislation, you know, aimed at preventing protests outside politicians' homes. Now, the fact that we have that for anyone who's looking at this as a potential career choice at the next election just doesn't increase its attractiveness one iota, does it? Yeah, you go back a, a decade and it was it was considered a, a rarity that a, a politician's home would, would actually be targeted. And it was a big deal. I recall a protest being held outside Bat O'Keefe's house when he was the education minister. Um you also had uh, our Labour Party TDs been targeted in that regard during the water chargers protests, but it, that was considered very much uh, abnormal. Now it just seems that offices and homes, uh, the world has shrunk, I suppose, with, with, with social mm-hmm. media. It, it now seems to be becoming a norm that, 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 that politicians uh, are, are viewed as, as fair game by, by some people. So there has to be some pushback from the political system that says this is not acceptable uh, behaviour. And if that means introducing uh, legislation, well, then, then so be it. Yeah. There is something else to consider, and that's the boundary changes. And some yeah. constituencies will be getting more seats, which which makes it probably a little more attractive if you're looking at your chances of being elected. Yeah, you're you're normally with boundary changes, we're talking uh, about you know reductions in in seat numbers, dramatic changes, and and resulting in in TDs losing uh, territory. Even this time around, yeah, some TDs will be disadvantaged by by redraws, but there'll be more seats, so their their chances of of losing out because their constituency has shrunk, it suddenly becomes a, a three seater. But they're they're in a, a, a sufficient enough uh, area around them that they'll they'll continue to run. So that'll be quite substantial. We're probably looking at 
anything up to 20, at least 12 as a result, 12 extra TDs uh, up to 20 because of the, the, the growth in, in, the, in the population and the expected continued growth uh, in the population over, over the coming years. That's the biggest shake-up in the electoral map in, in effectively 50 years. So that'll, that will have a, a major uh, influence in terms of, of the outcome of the uh, people who, who will be running. And let's just bear in mind, I mean, you do get an average of about 18 to 20 uh, TDs retiring at every every general election. Even in the last two elections, when we had a massive turnover of half the doll changing uh, in in 2011, we we still had th- those numbers. So I mean, we've only had three people signalling so far. Yeah, There's going to be a lot more. As Theresa said earlier, though, it's normally people who maybe are coming. To, uh, to the yeah. end of a long career. The, ex- the change now is that the, there's younger people who yeah, are the, staying the, the exception being that back in, in 2011, you had the vast exodus from Fianna Fáil of people who you wouldn't have expected to retire mm-hmm. uh, at that point. But then at the same time, Claire, I mean, you know, well, I hear people talking about term limits and that politicians should only stay on for a set number of years. And that now it's, it's seen as some sort of crisis that, that people are, are retiring early. If anything, it's, it's, it's a good thing that the political system is turning over. You're getting new people in with, who will have fresh ideas and, and a different outlook yeah. uh, on, on how, how the country should be run. As long as you can get people to agree to run. Well, you know? I, 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 because, because younger people leaving might send out the signal that it's not a good place to be. I don't think the ballot papers will be empty at the next general <laughs> election. I think there's always going to be people running. Teresa, can I ask you about those boundary changes? What do you think the impact of them will, will be? Well, I think the in, in the first instance, they'll actually protect some of the incumbents because there's going to be more spaces. There, and we are very much kind of hearing that it's going to be a very big jump um, so that we don't have to deal with this at every election because the recent changes that was a kind of under into Kenny's government it went down to 158 which was the bare minimum and then it went back up to 160 and we're going to have to go up a little bit more so it's been very dislocating it's results in a lot of kind of marginal changes in constituencies so what we're hearing is that it's going to be a big jump and it's going to lead to a very significant redraw of boundaries now but that at least that boundary change is, is going to survive a number of electoral cycles. Now, that kind of a big jump is going to provide opportunities because it means some TDs that might have been more marginal can potentially be, be, be saved, if you want, um, in inverted commas, by the boundary uh, by the boundary changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, of course, changes the dynamic. I mean, a, a larger parliament generally means a more proportional outcome, which means we might see even more fragmentation than we have at, at, more, recent, um, at more recent elections. And so larger parliaments have changes or have impacts uh, in their own way. The way we do business in parliament has been evolving as well, but we'll probably have to see some changes uh, around that um, uh, around that later on. But crucially, it's going to make government formation much more interesting the next time around because the majority is going to be much higher. We could be looking at needing close to 90, uh, 90 seats for a government to be formed and to have secure majority in the door. So there's going to be a lot of complex negotiations after the next election. Interesting times ahead. Uh, Theresa Reedy and Fiona Sheehan, thank you both very much. Coming up next, spin-off series, when they work and when they don't. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.